Welcome to Skip It. This is the show where we relive every episode of the TV series Skippy. Today's episode is number 23 in season one. It's called Tara. It's the first in a two-part series as our writers dive into longer-form storytelling. It features a usual family plus a new character, Tara, played by Ali Miller. The episode is directed by Max Farnell and written by Joan Levy and Ross Napier. We start with Skippy and Sonny outside a cave that they've never seen before, which is unusual because they're constantly walking around this national park. But Sonny walks in, Skippy holds back for a bit, and at this point I was getting vibes of the movie Descent. I'm not sure if you've seen that, where the characters enter an underground cave and attack yeah. by soil zombies. <laughs> So yes, yeah, did have a bit of that, yeah. Yeah, Johnny, did you think this cave was going to lead to danger or wonder or something else? Yeah, well, it was a very impressive cave because um, I sort of it had the stalagmites and stalactites. It was um, it looked very, very cool, and um, yeah, just seemed to keep on going. I was expecting it to go into some kind of hollow earth sort of land that time forgot, but it sort of does yeah. actually. But yeah, no, it was pretty cool. And I'm assuming that must be, you know, a cave in a national park somewhere. Yeah, it was an interesting world. And I also was hoping they were going to go underground into a fantasy realm. But as Johnny said, we do get a little bit of fantasy in the way that the episode is presented. Lee, what about yourself? What were you thinking this cave was going to lead to? Well, I didn't think it was going to lead to a land before time type thing. But I did think it was a very, very clean cave. It was like there was no real debris anywhere. And the other thing was... Sonny loves caves because if you remember his secret hideout is also a cave so I thought is this is he upgrading it's like he's looking out for what's his new modern cave that he's going to move into one that has a nice Flintstones bedrock you know like his other one that has all those yeah it has all the uh, bushcrafted uh, furniture and stuff like that yeah yeah. yeah. well he's 10 now so you've got to act your age when it comes to caves and yeah So as Johnny said, the cave is filled with quite charming stalactites. It is actually a lovely cave, and I wonder how he didn't know about it before. In some ways, it could be a tourist attraction for people Mm, coming mm, to the National Park. It's almost like not knowing about Uluru in your National Park. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, there's just a big rock there. Oh, where did that come from? So they come out the other side, and they find a hidden valley there which Matt had said there was no way of walking into. And again, on movie references, I was getting a bit of a Lion King vibe here in that scene where Mufasa tells Simba, all this land is yours, except that bad bit over there. Never venture there, my child. So there was a vibe to this, that this valley was going to end badly for them. But so far, it's, it's sweet. It starts sweet. We've got a fox, a cockatoo, a possum. It seems like a Garden of Eden, very innocent kind of place. Then Sonny finds some rock art on the ground. He inspects it, and then he asks Skippy to look, knowing her interest in classical painting. Mm. Skippy comes and looks, and they scan the animal shapes together, and then he sees a pair of feet, and he looks up. It's an Aboriginal man with a spear. And similar to the previous episode, the Aboriginal man is presented initially with a bit of menace. Mm. Lee, what were your impressions of this world? And where did you see the episode going at this point? Definitely the idyllic scene with the music. There were piccolos playing. Sort of felt a bit like a Disney cartoon with all the animals ready to burst into song. And then when you see those feet and the ominous looking Aboriginal man, he's very grim looking. Then he Mm. speaks. (laughs) And 
Gee whiz, they really did the old spaghetti western dub for this one because that accent he almost sounded British. It was just such a proper accent that came out of this guy's mouth. No way was that his real voice. No, I I sort of was ruminating about this because I don't know if it sounds like a white guy. I sort of have a feeling they might have redubbed him with like an Aboriginal actor that obviously had a bit more of a articulated voice, you know, accent, because it sort of feels a bit funny because it does cut to his real voice later when he's singing. So, you know, I just was like going, I don't know. Uh, it'd be interesting to see the person that they got to fill in that thing. Maybe the yeah. right word is that he had a dignified voice. Which is a go-to theme for the writers when depicting you know aboriginal characters i'll get to that earnestness a little bit later mm-hmm. so the man says good morning and sunny is scared and the man says don't be frightened i won't hurt you sunny says what are you doing here and they obviously don't teach indigenous history in that radio course of his <laughs> asking the indigenous man what are you doing in the country but uh, the man says this is my home he invites sunny along takes him into his hut so things are very different in those days with regard to stranger danger which is a different time in many different ways this episode is showing. The man shows Sonny a boomerang. Sonny throws it and it crashes in the distance. Hamantara throws it and it circles back perfectly. Sonny asks him to do it again because he wants to learn and impress his dad. And dreamy music is playing the whole time, which adds to that fantasy quality of the valley and the man's mm. life, which you had mentioned earlier, Johnny. We're in a bit of a fantasy land here, aren't we? Yes, yeah, no, it's and I liked how a lot of the shots had wildflowers composed in them. Yeah, no, it was very interesting how immediately Sonny like guilt trips him straight away. Do it again for me, Tara, for me, you know. It's sort of like, yeah. uh, it's like, geez, I just met you, kid. <laughs> like, I, I was going to throw it again anyway. Immediately, Sonny's got a rapport with this guy and um, and this guy has a rapport with Sonny and it gets really cool because I do like how he's got a traditional Aboriginal camp with like a humpy with the bark sort of hut uh, set up and pretty much goes straight into teaching um, Sonny straight away. Yeah, Sonny is just completely for no cost arrived in a cultural education tourism experience, which we'll explore a bit more in some of the other t- activities. But before we go into any other activities. We, we're back at headquarters. Matt arrives and asks Mark if he's seen Sonny. He hasn't, saying he's out exploring, and so they decide to go into town without him. And Mark says, it's a pity Sonny didn't live 200 years ago when he could have discovered something worthwhile, assuming he didn't succumb to polio. I don't know why I put that in. <laughs> 200 years ago. Um, so, Lee, at this point, are you worried Sonny's going to get into trouble and do you like the level of freedom that Sonny enjoys to roam? Well, that's an interesting question because this is the first episode where that topic is addressed. Yeah. It's, been it an actually, it's an issue, isn't it? It, yeah. it becomes an issue. And I did wonder, and, and uh, when we get to it, whether this was a response to potentially audience feedback about how Matt just lets Sonny wildly roam around wherever he feels like going because, you know, they've never really gone to this effort before of wondering where Sonny, what's he doing? And it seemed to be based on previous experiences, as Matt says a few times, because he's gotten into trouble so many times. He has, yeah. So they do seem to be addressing a couple of moral issues in the last couple of episodes. Yeah, Johnny, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, because he was like with some sheep rustlers last episode. So we know he can get involved with the wrong crowd, but then even then 
he was justifying everything they did, but, you know, we won't go into that right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Sonny gets into trouble and he meets lots of interesting characters. I think that's the issue. Yeah, he does. So we're back in the valley now, back in Tara's land, and the dreamy music continues. Sonny and Tara are walking through some tall grass and Tara pulls what looks to be some kind of bush potato out of the ground. Was it? Do you guys know what that was? It looked like uh, a sweet potato, but uh, then I was thinking it can't be. Whatever it was, it was dirt resistant because it was perfectly it, cleaned. It, when it, it, was per- it was like a perfectly clean potato with a twig or, or a, a branch stuck in it. What I assume they're trying to go for here is yams, native yams, but then native yams are a lot smaller than that, I think, and they're sort of more like a, a root shape, but it's like TV you know, magic where it's, this isn't real, but we're trying to give you the gist of it. Um, yeah. Cause he basically pulls out this stick with leaves on it and it's got this huge, big potato at the end of it. Yeah. And clean. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Spotless. Maybe this guy's a glamper and he's fooled us all along. We'll find out. <laughs> so he starts eating it and he shares some with Sonny and Sonny initially resists this clean Aldi potato, whatever it is that was sitting on the ground. But he caves once Skippy eats it, which I thought was telling. So Skippy's still got some influence over what Sonny mm, would do. Yeah, no, that, uh, that was very interesting. And then Tara also eats a witchy grub, uh, which Sonny is less keen on. Sonny says to Tara, you can find food anywhere. And Tara says, to know what to eat, where to find water are the secrets of my people. And he's speaking in that Disney shaman style favoured by <laughs> the Skippy writers. So we've Pointed to this earlier, they do write these Aboriginal characters in a very cliche kind of way. Um, did you have any thoughts on this episode at this point, Lee? Yeah, you're right. They absolutely make the Aboriginal characters like wizards. Wise, all-knowing, <laughs> they live off the land, which is true. I mean, they can. It's probably just the dialogue itself is just very... I mean, I've got a couple of really good Indigenous Australian friends and neither of them talk like that at all. <laughs> so, it's one of those, like, they just talk like you and me, so... It goes yeah. back to that, um, you know, like with the previous episode where it was like they were sort of almost talking like Native American style, um, yeah. like from the wet, old Westerns, which is just as old-fashioned and offensive, but it's just, um, you know, like I am not surprised that they go like me, white man, you know, that sort of stuff, or yeah. um, it, it feels like that. And, and I think also because there wasn't a lot of Australian television depicting Aboriginals, they probably just went for that. American way, and that's the only way they, you know, knew yeah. how to do it, present it. I think this is the issue we talk about having representation in the writing room because if you're not indigenous, <laughs> you are not going to write dialogue correctly. Almost today, like, you know, those memes where like a man tries to write women's dialogue, and a man mm. obviously having the experience, so they'll write things like, and she became so aroused at the man walking into the room that her nipples <laughs> became firm like shiitake mushrooms. <laughs> The women don't talk like that, but men will write women as if they talk like that. Yeah, so it's definitely to, a bit of that case. Yeah, you've got to get insiders to write for you. There's no grey in the characters. They're either... It's one of those examples where it's like, okay, well, this is a different race, so they're either going to be these really mystical, super wise people, or they're going to be, you know, savage on the other side. There's no in-between. No. It's just, where's the nuance? That's what was lacking yeah. from the depiction. <laughs> That's yeah, right. They don't exactly. write characters. They write character types. Yes. And- <laughs> These indigenous characters are a character type they've created for, yeah, the series of the episode. So, yeah, you, you definitely get a sense that this is written from one culture's angle. So, okay, so they head off and we see Jerry arrive back at 
headquarters mm-hmm. in his chopper. And Matt is still wondering where Sonny is. And Jerry mentioned he saw him heading towards Jamolin. Was it Jamolin or Janolin? I wasn't sure what they say. It's always hard to figure it out. Yeah, we should have got that perfect English enunciation of the indigenous person to pronounce <laughs> it. It would have way easier. Um, so Sonny is supposed to fly with Jerry tomorrow on a survey flight. So they're wondering whether he'll be back for that. Matt thinks Sonny's up to something. Uh, he says he doesn't like to pry his secrets, but he's learned that Sonny's secrets often involve trouble, which is fair. Like you said, Johnny, in an early episode, Sonny ended up joining a criminal animal trafficking gang. Uh, things happen when Sonny gets out and about. So it's not a bad suspicion. In Sonny's bedroom, we see that he has marked the flight with Jerry and spelled survey, S-U-R-V, A-Y, so it's good to know he's not perfect. (laughs) Matt is now determined to know where Sonny is. And Jerry says he hopes there isn't more drama. Where has Jerry been for the last 26 episodes of his family's life? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Sonny saved him, like, flying a helicopter too. So, you know, geez. Um, So from the chopper, Mark radios in to say they've spotted Sonny in the Hidden Valley. So now will Matt go full Mufasa and head there? Sonny says Tara, we're back in the in the valley now. Sonny says Tara is different to anyone he's ever met. But he said that to Mr. Trumbull as well. He says it to all the strange men in his life, uh, if we're going to be honest. He's such a tease. <laughs> he's, he's a tease. He's easily impressed. But he says he likes that Tara does what he wants, whenever he wants. Sonny's sad, saying Tara is not allowed to live in a national park. There are rules about it. And Sonny says maybe he shouldn't come back anymore. Tara says, but I was going to teach you how to make a canoe tomorrow. Sonny says, okay, maybe one more day. Uh, <laughs> canoeing is a kryptonite, obviously. Uh, and Sonny says he won't dob Tara in. After Sonny leaves, the chopper flies above Tara, his secrets out. Lee, well, that's what, the thing. Sorry, yeah. yeah, what was your comments on, on this? And I'd also like to ask what bush skill you would like to learn, if it's making a canoe or not, but... I mean, making a canoe would be useful, I suppose, if there was a creek around. I didn't see any in that land. No, no, that was what I was going to say. There was no river or anything. It's so very dry. So very maybe, yeah, the shelter would probably be uh, a, a good thing to learn how to make. But um, sure. no, you, you're right. Like the thing about the helicopter flying over was because he looks very scared at the side of this helicopter. So the question at that point was, has he been found? And he's thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm about to get told to leave or was he frightened of it because he'd never seen a helicopter before, which might seem like a strange thing to say, but in this world, as we mm. learned last episode, the Indigenous Australian lady, she'd never even had a shower before. Mm. So, so it's not an impossible thought to think, is that why he looked frightened? Now, we obviously learn that he ends up thinking it's the death spirit. But at that point, it was a bit ambiguous about why he looked so alarmed. Yes, yeah. And I thought it was interesting that it's sort of, you know, you've got to take it with a grain of salt because it's a hidden valley. He's been hidden there the whole time. But the other thing was that the helicopter was, like, going over there a lot recently looking for Sunny. And just also in general, you'd think the helicopter would have flown over that part of the park at some point. But I'm guessing he just wasn't out or didn't hear it or anything like that. But um, my impression was that he this was the first time he'd seen it. And he was absolutely terrified and didn't know what the hell was going on. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, um, I guess you'd call it God's must be crazy moment where (laughs) they uh, find something that's totally alien to them and think it's something really, really uh, out of this world. Yeah. It was interesting seeing that difference as well. These days, if a parent can't find their child, they will call them on their mobile phone. Instantly, that anxiety is gone. But it wasn't like that 
back in, in, in 1968. So different times. Back at the headquarters the next morning. So what's, Sammy's coming back every night. He's sleeping in his bed, but he's leaving really early. And so we're back at the headquarters. Matt says Sonny has gone again. He's livid. Mark and Jerry are told to not come back without him. So they go off again and we do some close-up yeah. shots. Oh, sorry, you go, Johnny. Oh, I was going to say, it's funny how, like, Matt just totally takes his anger out on Jerry and Mark, even though they've done absolutely nothing wrong, and they're the ones that have to go out and look for Sonny. Can we also say that before they go out, before he sends them out, they've made tea, and there's a shot of Matt drinking a cup of tea, and he pulls the most oh. vile face, and he immediately <laughs> yeah. reaches for the sugar. I wasn't Bad sure if that was a metaphor about bitterness. I wasn't sure what that thing was supposed to be achieving. I think Matt was just super pissed off. That's the problem. Like he was, yeah. just, no matter what, he was just going to be angry. Matt is having a bad day. He's he's mm. not happy. Yeah, and was, so the, he got up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah, and so you know, Jerry and Mark run off to help. Before they leave, we do some close-up shots. And it's a very chopper porn moment. There's a lot of equipment <laughs> porn. Do you think this was Ross Napier's writing at this point, Lee? Well, if it was Ross Napier, there would have been more phallic. <laughs> well, then people would be like, wolf whistling the chopper. Whistling. But there was a pretty cool shot that they had with the camera beneath the chopper as it took yeah. off. I thought that was yeah. really interesting. And it had yeah. sort of a bit of a military, like they're going out, like a bit yeah. of a Thunderbirds thing. Yeah, I guess it was very much of a rescue mission kind of vibe. To the, to the episode of that scene. So Sonny hides from the chopper as it flies overhead. And Matt is talking to Mrs. Buller, who he usually calls when Sonny disappears for days on end. Uh, Mrs. Buller was featured in the sheep wrestling episode, I believe. Uh, Mark radios in to say they can't find Sonny. Matt's just that they grab the horses and track them down on land. Matt is really keen to figure out where Sonny is. It's almost getting obsessive at this point. And he says, uh, we'll do a land manoeuvre. Like he's in the yeah. army. He's very militaristic. He's, he's trying to find his son. Like, what a weirdo. Yeah. And then Matt sees a notebook from Sonny filled with Aboriginal artwork. And it's surprisingly good for Sonny if this is something Sonny. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. Like, like, Sonny's been choosing the wrong style. He's been going for realism. He needs to go yeah. for the, um, like the Aboriginal style. But then that uh-huh. might be a bit of appropriation. But I think he yeah. should go for it. Oh, what a shame. He was way he was better. really good at, at Aboriginal art and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Matt looks contemplative at the book, like he knows something now, where Sonny might be, what he might be doing. He's narrowing it down in his mission to find Sonny. So Sonny comes back to the hut and he can't find Tara. He hears chanting and Skippy alerts him to where Tara is. Sonny climbs up a rock and then he finds Tara there singing and chanting and he rudely interrupts. Like, what if Tara was just getting to the chorus? I didn't like that moment. Or was it a sacred song, perhaps? Tara tells him to leave, saying the spirit of death has come. Sonny says he doesn't have to die. Only old people do that. Tara tells Sonny to take his spear and bag and go. Skippy is inside the hut when Sonny walks down again. Sonny collects the items and heads back to headquarters. He tells Skippy they'll have to tell Dad. Sonny only snitches when lives are on the line, like when he snitched on Skippy for taking a baby. Um, Johnny, at this point, are you starting to feel a sense of peace that the lies are going to stop now? Yes, yeah, definitely with uh, with old Sonny. Because the other thing is, I don't know why they're not quizzing him when he comes back for dinner before he goes to bed. It's like he just mysteriously comes in after they've all like gone to bed. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, wait a minute, this is not the way it normally works. But, yeah, no, it was very interesting. And the there was a stick with, or his spear maybe, with um, all the bits and pieces that he had, um, his belongings that he gave to Sonny. And I'm pretty sure that was like a sheep skull. Um, I don't know if it was like a kangaroo one or anything. So mm. I wasn't sure what that was all about. There were um, bones on there, weren't there? Though, yeah, there was like a skull and a, some some other bones and stuff tied to it. And he, and Sonny took and a pouch as well. Very interesting, all of that. And what was he doing with the sheep skull? But anyway, <laughs> mm. and sort of going back to Ashwin's thing because you know he could have been meditating and Sonny totally like I thought he was praying. Yeah, he well, he's praying, of, yes, yeah. yeah. But it looked like something you shouldn't interrupt. Yeah, you don't need cultural training to not interrupt a person chanting. In some ways, Sonny's a bit boneheaded. Yes, definitely. And well, he's um, a kid. Kids don't think that far. Yeah, <laughs> and he was worried about out. him. Like, you know, it makes sense. But, yeah, it was a funny little moment because you seem to go, oh, actually, you shouldn't interrupt that. Yeah, so, okay, so we're back at headquarters now and Sonny is talking to Matt about Tara. Matt says Tara was probably under some kind of death spell, and he said it as nonchalantly as when he validated telepathy in the previous episode. I love how open-minded he is. Um, Matt, Matt just immediately accepts any kind of mystical explanation straight yeah. away. But he does sort of give a logical explanation later. He says it might be some kind of death spell, and Sonny says, you mean like pointing the bone? And... I'd never really heard this term before, and I don't know if you looked that up at all, Ashwin. Apparently, it is an Aboriginal thing. It it's yeah. called... Did Lee, did you <laughs> look it up? No, my dad actually used to talk to me about it. He knew about it. He said that when they would point the bone at someone and say that person's going to die, then usually within 24 hours, the person would die. Because yes. their belief... They would believe that they would die. Because yes. really... the belief of that curse was would overcome any kind of you know actual no you know physical thing yeah which is what matt does explain a little bit of later on when he is explaining how this works is that the mind is the thing Mm. that kills them not the body yeah and i thought that was very very interesting because apparently from what i sort of read that um with aboriginal culture that people dying is not a natural thing it's usually from like spirits doing it and there is a word a traditional word for pointing the bone and excuse me if i mispronounce it kadachi so there you go it's interesting when you think positively your stress levels drop and your immunity boosts and you can become more resilient to infection and disease. I wonder if there's a reverse effect when you think you're going to die, you become very stressed and you become more open to disease and infection. I wonder if there's some kernel of truth oh, in Western science to, to this there, I'm sure that there is lots of scientific evidence of mental well-being affecting your overall health and, Definitely. you know, general health. So, yeah, yeah no, I definitely, definitely. There, there's actual truth there, which is the funny thing about it. I thought that was sort of like a really sort of cool thing to learn through this episode. Yeah, and that's what we've been talking about. In some ways, they're very clunky about their writing of Indigenous characters, but they do expose Indigenous ideas. They do it with some respect. They mm. try to contrast the different worlds. They do it quite respectfully. So, yeah, it's interesting how they actually mean well, and they do achieve some good things with, with this writing. Yeah. And especially this episode, it is about learning. Like, Sonny yeah. is literally learning all of these things off um, Tara, and Tara is, you know, happy to show, show him, like, more than yeah. happy. So it's a really, really sort of interesting episode in that respect because they are trying to uh, show some kind of uh, 
middle ground there. You know what yeah. else we learned? The other thing we learned is that Matt can't throw a boomerang either because Matt was the one that Sonny said taught him how to throw a boomerang. And yes. when he threw, like you said, Ashwin, when he threw that boomerang, it just went straight and crashed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it might as well have been a spear at that moment. So, or a yeah. stick. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, okay. So let's bring us back to the plot now. So Matt's on board with the story. The secret's been busted. Matt then opens a box amongst Tara's possessions. Inside is the Albert Medal for Bravery, which I'm assuming is King Albert from 50 years ago. He reads a citation from the time, and it praises Tara's bravery in saving a Robert Judd. The Judds used to own the land that is now part of the National Park. So Matt realises that they might actually be able to do something for Tara after all. Sonny then returns to Tara to tell him the news, to tell him something, but he finds Tara in a catatonic-like state. And that is the end of part one of Tara. Yeah, it's interesting because they, you're right, when Sonny approached, he had tears in his eyes and he was trying to tell him that they'd found a way to help him and begs him not to die. And when they fade out, it didn't really say to be continued. It, <laughs> no, like it could have just ended. It was yeah. just sort of a hint that, because it's the first time we've seen the name of the episode appear on screen. So at the very end, you uh. did see the fact that next week would be the next part of Tara. But I just wondered whether To Be Continued was a post-60s thing or whether they just didn't do it in this episode. <laughs> I think it was yeah. just, yeah, they, maybe they just forgot. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, an unusual ending, but I'm hoping there's going to be more next episode. So as for my view on this episode, it's really hard because it's the first time I've seen a part one of two-part series. It's hard to judge this story when we've just got half the story. I think mm. it'd be at the end of the episode. So far, though, just judging it on its merit, as if it was a full episode, it doesn't have quite the heart of the previous episode where we had a singer who had dreams. And so that, that story had a bit more heart to me. That's why I gave it four gum leaves last time. This was a good cultural education episode. It was kind of interesting in that documentary-style way. But in terms of plot and heart, not quite as much going on there so far, but I'll be able to reassess at the end of episode two. So, so far, I'm sitting on 3.8 gum leaves for mm-hmm. this. What about you, Lee? Yeah, well, 3.8 is still pretty good. So are you saying, Ashwin, that next week after you do the second part, you might reevaluate and give this entire arc one big gum leaf yeah. score? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a good yeah. way to do it. That's a pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, we'll do so... each individual and one as a whole. Okay, that's cool. I reckon I'll give this one 3.7. So I'm pretty close mm. to you. Um, for the same reasons, it was, I mean, in terms of entertainment, it did feel a little bit more informative and it was a lot of setup. So next week with the payoff will be interesting to see how they resolve this but at the same time i still enjoyed it and i thought despite the fact that we had the aboriginal speaking probably in a way that he wouldn't really be speaking he was imparting some interesting information and there is the thing about look if they were going to do between representing aboriginals as these really wise people versus a really savage people i'm glad they picked a wise because at least it's a little bit more respectful than all the stereotypes and the derogatory remarks that people have been making towards aboriginals in the past which is which is terrible so at least it's representing them in a more intelligent way so yeah 3.7 from me Okay, so we're both in the, in the late threes. What about you, Johnny? I'm going to go a bit higher. I'm going to go the full four because I actually think this episode will work out to be pretty good, uh, you know, with the arc. And 
I really like the educational side of it, which I felt like you didn't really get in the previous one, because I feel like we're delving into Aboriginal culture rather than Aboriginal culture coming into the Western side. So I definitely think it works uh, well like that. And I just sort of wanted to note um, that this is one of the three episodes where members of the Aboriginal theatre from uh, Yurikala in Arnhem Land in the, in the Northern Territory, and it was while they were visiting Sydney. So I'm assuming this was like the last episode, this episode, and then the next episode, and they used these performers to do it. So that's why I'm thinking maybe they used, because they dubbed pretty well in the respect of the voice didn't match, but you could tell he was speaking English, or at least he was mouthing English. He wasn't like, uh, he, like I'm assuming he would have known English, but just would have been hard to understand. I'm assuming it wasn't as bad as Arnold Schwarzenegger. In <laughs> no, no. Um, um, but yeah, I'm assuming, he, he, like, he, he probably was hard to understand in in maybe like a television universe. So they, I can understand that redubbing. But like as I said, having Aboriginal actors available, I'm sure there would have been one that would have been able to fill in those lines for him. That's my guess. But I, I did actually really like this episode. So, yeah, definitely for um, – I'm sort of reserving it for the overall one to see what happens. Cool, yeah. And it's interesting to, to switch into this longer movie link kind of episode. Well, mm. one-hour episode anyway. So we'll see where this one ends. Can you tell us anything about next week, John? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I guess um, there'll be the follow-up. I'll, I'll give you a gist. Basically, Matt investigates this Judd family and that's sort of the main gist of it, hoping to get something there so they can help Tara get over this issues he's having with the death spirit. Let's hope then that he doesn't reach Tara via helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. What's Tara going to think of a frigging horse? (laughs) Like, come on. Like, geez, he's going to freak out probably even more, especially if Matt's riding it. It'll be like, Jesus Christ, Danny, just... He just disconnected from that guy. What the hell? Yeah. Maybe anyway. Clancy or someone gentle and pleasant <laughs> yeah. to um, deal with. We'll tune in next week to find out. Lee, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ashwin. And Johnny, I'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Scoopy, 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 scoopy